0: Father God, um, it is a great privilege to gather uh, today to sing praises to you, to encourage one another uh, in the truth of the gospel. And uh, we thank you that we can now uh, read your word and uh, hear it uh, preached. And we just do pray that you would open the ears of our hearts, not just of our of our heads, of our brains, but that we would take these truths in deeply um, Uh, into our being, that uh, you would shape us at the deepest core of our identities, um, of our hearts. Uh, We pray that you would uh, just um, enable Duncan to speak uh, what you've laid on his heart from your word, uh, and we just pray that you would change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Week. Song of Songs, Chapter 5, and I'll be starting. um, If you weren't here last week, we kind of saw that this song is a great poem, (laughs) Uh, there's a few main characters. There's a, a girl who I called the, the farm girl. Uh, there's, there's her beloved, um, who I called the farm boy. And there's a, some friends who are part of the song as well. Um, uh, this reading is just the farm girl, the farm girl, and it's a dream that she has. So that's on page 675 of the Church Bibles. Uh, if you're there, It'll come up on the screen as well. So the farm girl sings I slept but my heart was awake Listen my beloved is knocking Open to me my sister my darling My dove my flawless one My head is drenched with dew My hair with the dampness of the night I've taken off my robe must I put it on again I've washed my feet must I soil them again My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening My heart began to pound for him I opened, I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone, my heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls daughters of Jerusalem I charge you if you find my beloved what will you tell him tell him I am faint with love well we're back for round two if you were here last week well done for making it back uh, in this beautiful ode to love in the middle of the bible song of songs um, as we saw last week, we're going to aim for a PG rating, so I'm, I'm conscious that there are kids in, uh, and so that'll just make, uh, mean that I'll say things in a, perhaps a more roundabout way than I might otherwise. But like any good love song, um, the Song of Songs knows that love doesn't come easy. Um, sometimes love hurts. It knows that there are threats to love, right? Um, I... I think I've mentioned this before. I grew up in Tamworth, the country music capital of the world, I think. But but the great thing about country music is um, uh, you get this really open, kind of honest, raw uh, exploration of the pain of love and of losing your dog and your truck. (laughs) (laughs) But if you weren't here uh, last week... Um, I mentioned then also that this is really um, part two in a three-part sermon. Uh, so it'll, it, it'll help, I think, if you weren't here last week, to kind of go back and listen in on last week's sermon if you have the time. Um, but each week what we're doing is we're, we're, we're reflecting on a big idea about romantic intimacy and love. Uh, last week, as Steve mentioned, we, we thought about the origins of love, about where, where it comes from. We saw last week that uh, the story of romance and intimacy in the Bible and, and, and here in this song, and this is really just helpful and necessary to have firmly embedded in us, the story of it is fundamentally positive. Uh, it's a song of joy and delight and celebration. Uh, romantic love is a good gift from a loving creator. It's not just a random accident. It's just not just another thing to satisfy. It's a gift. It's good. And it's also good when we receive it, thankfully, in the way it was designed. It's good. God loves it. And it's just so important, I think, for us to keep hearing that and believing that um, and saying that. Uh, but, of course, you can't talk about love and romance without also seeing how fraught, how dangerous, how deeply broken it can be. So while last week's big idea was origins, this week's is what's gone wrong, or in more theological terms. Last week, we looked at creation. This week, we're going to just reflect on the fall, uh, the fall and what God has done in response to it. Um, It's worth recognising again that uh, talking about this can raise really personal and sensitive issues. We're we're not going to get too specific today, and partly because it is a PG series, (laughs) Uh, but also just because these things are going to touch home differently for each of us. Um, But especially if this is a difficult week perhaps for you, I just encourage you to stick with it. We need God's word We need God's word in every area of our life, especially in this one. Um, God's word does expose us, but it doesn't leave us without hope. Uh, It is, in fact, the only source of true and lasting forgiveness and renewal and hope for broken and sinful people like you and me. Um, So that's where we're heading into Uh, This week, the the fall of intimacy in the songs. What's going on um, in the songs of our world? Uh, So last week what we did was we looked at where this kind of comes from, the origins, whether it's a kind of natural just accident driven by evolutionary processes that has no real significance um, or whether, well, we see the Bible's picture of it as fundamentally a gift, a good gift from a loving designer. What's going on, though, when you've kind of lost that love and feeling? Uh, I was tempted to sing. <laughs> when it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but last <laughs> like last week, what we're going to do is try and reflect on some of the big ideas driving the song of our world, the, this, this song that our world is singing to us. and how, see, Try and see how they compare to the song of all songs. Uh, when it comes to the origins of love, we saw one of the big li- ideas last week, the, the two kind of big ideas, this idea of naturalism and this idea of individualism. Uh, naturalism is just a way of life, of viewing life that's, that says all that's real, all that's significant, all that's meaningful is what you can see, what you can feel, what you can touch. The physical world, there's nothing else. Uh, and so if birds do it and bees do it and even educated fleas do it, as we saw last week, there's no difference. Uh, but, and, and last week, we also saw that that kind of is paired together with this idea of individualism, this uh, placing of the individual person, of me at the center. Um, and when you put those two things together, what flows out is uh, what, what is it that flows out when, when you're thinking about the problem? Why, why does intimacy go wrong in the song of this world? Uh, I think it's something along the lines of, the, of this. Um, see if this kind of hits home for you or if it makes sense. If naturalism and individualism are the way you view life, um, then what is good is me fulfilling my inner desires and basically the problem is anything that gets in the way of that. The old rules were shackles put on us by oppressive institutions designed to shame and control and the solution is to break free, right? To break free of the, to liberate ourselves, to be ourselves, to celebrate love wherever we find it. Uh, and if the feeling's gone, we just move on, right? Without regret. Um, but the great sin, I think, in this kind of way of viewing the world, the great kind of foolishness in this worldview, Well, if you've kind of followed along with it so far, the great folly in this way of viewing the world is to go against your heart, to go against or to restrict your feeling, to deny whatever it is you're feeling today. Uh, That could change tomorrow, that's fine, go with it, but that's the way to true freedom, the folly of going against your heart. So these, I think, are just, that's very kind of inadequate, I know, and a very quick skim, but I, they're, they're some of the themes of the song of our world when it comes to what's wrong with love and romantic intimacy. It's important, I think, for us to, know, to recognise that there's a, there is a kind of shadow of rightness about it. Uh, Christians should own up to our own sin here. Our churches have been marked in the past by shame and hypocrisy and prejudice. More than that, more than by the kind of holy celebration that you see in the Bible. Um, But while we should own up to that, it would be wrong to just go along with this alternative song. We saw last week, again, this is kind of recap, and we saw that it just doesn't deliver what it promises. Uh, The revolution has left us as a society less fulfilled, more lonely, more fragmented. It hasn't fulfilled. Well, what does this Song of Songs have to say about all of this? Uh, We saw again last week that it kind of presents an ideal, an ideal picture. There's an idealism about it, um, but that's not all that's going on. There's also this kind of dark undercurrent running through the book there's a recognition that this love between these two characters is taking place in a broken and fallen world Um, it's hard to pick up but as you read through the song it kind of tells a story, Uh, we were introduced to it last week it tells the story of this farm girl and farm boy and her friends um, looking on Uh, the two are looking forward to their wedding uh, and the friends of the farm girl are there, kind of barracking them. Uh, it's it's not a clear story, like you know, it's, it's not kind of clear cut what's going on at any at any one moment. Uh, through the song, though, that the, these two guys they call to each other, they lose each other, they find each other. Uh, the farm girl imagines her man like King Solomon, and she dreams of her wedding like a royal wedding. Uh, and it seems that by the end in chapter eight, the wedding has happened and. It's kind of this scene of fulfilment and consummation. Uh, but all, along the, all the way along this story, there is a kind of dark thread, a threat to their love. Um, I've tried to pull out a few things through this, uh, and you can see them if you've got your on your hand out there. Um, you pick this kind of darker thread up in really ordinary things, uh, in, things like the, the, the insecurity of this farm girl. You can, it's up on the screen. Uh, From chapter 1, we we read it last week, didn't focus on it, but uh, she says, Dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. Uh, It seems like this farm girl has been sort of treated roughly by her stepbrothers, She's been made to work out in the fields. And it's meant that she hasn't been able to take care of herself. And she's um, insecure about it. There's a kind of sense of insecurity about that. Uh, there's a cultural thing going on here. We kind of have this obsession with being tanned, right, in our culture. Uh, it wasn't the same back then. It was the, kind of the opposite. Um, to be tanned wasn't considered attractive. And this girl's been out in the field and she's tanned and she feels the insecurity that that brings. Um, But the song also acknowledges a kind of uh, uh, song. So the song, yeah, it acknowledges these everyday kind of threats to love, but it does go deeper. There's this constant recognition of the pain that unmet longings can bring, and it comes uh, through most strongly in a couple of dream sequences. There's, if you read through the song, you'll see there's these um, a couple of dreams that happen through it. Uh, the girl is dreaming in chapter 3. Uh, All night long on my bed I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him. I will get up now and go in- about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him but did not find him. The watchmen found me and they, as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Or again in chapter 5 we read it. Uh, at the start of our time together. She's dreaming again um, about her farm boy and then she goes out looking for him. Um, or she, the, the first part of that, she dreams and her, she opens the door, if you kind of remember the reading, and he's not there. She has this real pain. At her, her, she says in verse 6, My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him. I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. But it's not just kind of everyday insecurities. It's not just unmet longings that the song acknowledges. There's even darker strains here uh, of the fall into abuse. We had hints of it in chapter 1 with her stepbrothers uh, who in their anger treated her like a hired worker. But it goes on in chapter 5 here from verse 7 about the watchmen who find her as as they made their rounds in the city uh, they beat me, they bruised me, they took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. So, in this song, this, the, the love between these two is set against this, um, this backdrop of insecurity, of confusion, and even of violence. It maintains that love is a good gift from God. That's its dominant theme, actually. But it does recognise that this side of the fall, all our attempts at love are shadowed by brokenness and sin. But what's really important is what the song does with this. What the song does with this. Um, we mentioned last week that this is kind of the kind of writing in the Bible that's known as wisdom writing. Uh, wisdom writing is about living well uh, in the world that God has made according to the way he's made it, right? So it, it recognises that there's a kind of grain built into the creation. Uh, I've used this illustration before, but it's, uh, it's, if you think about a piece of wood, it has a, a grain to it, and if you're trying to kind of chop the wood, you've got to find the grain, or if you're trying to carve the bit of wood, if you're working against the grain, it just, it'll just it splinter, it'll hurt your own hands, and it just won't work. You've got to work with the grain, um, Wisdom in the Bible is about recognising that creation has a, a grain to it. Um, it's not just random. It has been designed by a loving creator, A wise and wise living wisely in this world means kind of going with the grain. It means lining yourself up with it, with the way in which it's been made. So wisdom writing in the Bible is more than just kind of nice grandfatherly advice that you get when you kind of smile and nod your head and then you quickly forget, make sure you brush your teeth, morning and night. I have this memory etched in my mind of my grandfather um, who had a complete set of false teeth. Uh, at dinner one night, I um, kind of half-sheepishly asked him to, if I could see his teeth. And he said, oh, OK, and just took them right out and plonked them right in front of me. And I never forgot. You know, it was, um, but, you know, that was my lesson to make sure I brush my teeth. Uh, But even, you know, like, you forget to brush your teeth. It's no no big deal at the end of the day. Um, But that's not the kind of, like, the wisdom in the Bible is not nice grandfatherly advice. To hear and reject this wisdom is to be what the Bible calls a fool. It is foolish and it's tragic. And when it comes to love... The great problem, uh, the cause of the splintering and the damage that we experience, isn't failing to listen to our hearts, which themselves are fallen. The great problem is failing to listen to our maker, failing to acknowledge the grain. Uh, So faced with the brokenness of love, what is the wisdom of this song? And we mentioned this just really briefly last week. Um, the wisdom of this song comes out in that refrain that's repeated a few times through the song. In, in the context of the song, it's it's said to the girl's friends, um, to the daughters of Jerusalem. But as God's general wisdom in this book, it is for everyone. And if you think about it, okay, this is... Um, the longest, most sustained reflection on human relationships in the Bible, um, most of it is a celebration of that. Uh, this is the only place in the Song of Songs where there is a urging and an encouragement, a direction to us as readers. I guess what, what I'm trying to say is I want us to raise the stakes for this. Don't hear this as grandfatherly advice. Uh, this is the wisdom of... Of loving Creator God, given graciously to us so that we might live according to the grain of His creation. Uh, And we get it in 3 verse 5 as one of the places. It'll be up on the screen. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. There is a proper place for love to be awakened. Its right, God-given, natural desire is for the public and exclusive and lifelong relationship of marriage between a man and a woman, bound together by covenant promises. And we reflected on that last week. But until that's in place, the wisdom of the almighty creator God says, don't mess around with love. Don't awaken it. And if that marriage relationship is already in place, the wisdom of the almighty creator God says, don't mess around with love anywhere else. Not because God's a killjoy who doesn't want you to be happy, but precisely because God is good. And his gracious word to you is, this is how my good gift is designed, how it's best enjoyed. Don't be a fool. Anything else is inferior. And it'll hurt you and the people around you. This is a hard thing to talk about. I've really struggled actually to prepare this sermon. I always struggle, uh, but more this week than usual. Uh, It's a hard thing to talk about. Um, It's a hard thing to hear. I mentioned at the start, uh, we're not going to get too specific today. Each of us will hear this in different ways. Each of us will be impacted by the sin of others in this area. Each of us will feel our own sin in this area. Being in church doesn't insulate us from that. But even though it's hard to talk about, um, it's far too important not to. It's far too important not to. We're not only battling with hearts that are not geared towards the grain of the universe. (laughs) Hearts that reject and rebel God's good and loving rule. We're not only dealing with that, with even a world that has powerful voices all directed towards you to tell you to arouse and awaken love in its wrong place. Singing you a song that says, This is where you'll find real joy, that satisfaction comes with danger and experimenting and with breaking the rules the sole aim of the multi-billion dollar industry headed up by people like Hugh Hefner, uh, its sole aim, its powerful focus, is to awaken love in its wrong place. Um, Social commentators talk about the adultification of childhood that's rife in our society, where younger and younger children are getting caught up in harmful and self-destructive patterns. There's more to say. Churches are not immune from this, and so it is vital that we open this up in an appropriate way for us as a church community. In the context of all that, though, what is God's wisdom from this song? He says, lovingly but firmly, don't settle for that. Don't buy that lie. Don't be fooled. Don't be a fool. I have something so much better for you. Uh, We're going to spend next week reflecting on what that something better is, Uh, on the incredible way. It is incredible. It's astounding, and I hope you're able to come back next week or listen in if you can't make it. The incredible way that the Bible says that this kind of romantic love that we had so beautifully painted for us last week, that we've sort of acknowledged the the fallenness of this week, uh, the incredible way the Bible says that this is actually just a signpost pointing to something far greater, a more eternal, more intimate, more ultimately sustaining and fulfilling love, the love of God for his people through the Lord Jesus Christ. So next week we're going to reflect on that. But today I just want to give us a chance to ourselves, not pass over this too quickly Uh, the glory of the gospel is that because Jesus died we don't have to hide anything we don't sin thrives in the dark but the gospel brings it into light it exposes it it sees it for the ugly thing that it is worthy of God's judgment and wrath it does do that but it doesn't stop there we can do that because the gospel incredibly declares that in Jesus we have complete forgiveness and the power for a new life. Now, there's a passage in the New Testament that brings these kind of things together. Um, what this passage does is it, it holds on to the strong call of wisdom. And remember, wisdom is not nice grandfatherly advice, but the word of the Almighty Creator God to you. <laughs> about how to live well in his, his world. This passage in the New Testament holds that strong call together with the astounding reality of the Gospel. It's found in 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, and it'll come up on the screen. Paul writes with the, in the same way the Song of Song urges us, in verse 18, very simply, flee from sexual immorality. I don't know if you've ever fled for your life from anything. I'm um, I, I trying to think about this. I don't think I, I have ever kind of fled for my life. Though I imagine if I'm in a field and there's a raging bull uh, after me and kind of coming to trample me, I'm probably not going to say, "Just let me think about how close I can get and how you know just just how slow and how kind of care." You know, I'm probably not going to be thinking like that. I'm just going to turn and run, <laughs> right? Uh, We can think like that foolishly, can't we? Sometimes we can think, how uh, flee, (laughs) flee. Uh, He goes on in verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. So he takes this... Strong call of wisdom and re sort of re says it in his own way but what gives us there's more to say here what gives us the power to do this just a few verses before Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church which by the way was a totally dysfunctional church a totally dysfunctional church, right? a totally dysfunctional church. Um, uh, just a few verses before Paul wrote this uh, he, he he wrote something else he listed a whole set of self-destructive and sinful ways of living including in the areas of romantic intimacy um, he lists this um, he goes through this list and he clearly says at the end is strong warning that if you live unrepentant of these things you will not inherit the kingdom of god if these things are what characterize you not if They are one-off things. But if they're characteristic of you and you're not repentant of it, there's a strong warning there. But then he goes on in this beautiful life-giving verse in verse 11. It will come up on the screen. This is what gives God's people the power to flee, to understand that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that we are not our own but bought with a price, this is what gives us the power to honour God with our bodies. Verse 11, he says, after this, lot, this list, Paul writes, and that is what some of you were. In this church, they had all sorts of people. And that's what some of them were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's not their identity anymore. That's what some of them were. If you have been washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not what you are. You have a new identity. Romantic intimacy is good and it is... Crucial to acknowledge that we all muck it up on one level or another. We're all sinful in this regard. And that's serious. It is serious, but it is not unforgivable. It is not unforgivable. The only unforgivable sin is ultimately to refuse to repent and turn to Jesus in faith. No matter what you've done, His living waters are always there to wash you and to lead you to true repentance. A true turning... The word repentance in the Bible just means to turn around. A true turning around of your life. That leads to practical change. It leads to a changed life here and now and to eternal life with God through the merits of your Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. Um, There's so much more to reflect on here. As I said, though, uh, it really is something that for each of us, it would be worth us, and we will do this now. We're going to take some time just to reflect individually on our our own relationship in this regard. What I'm going to do is lead us in a prayer. Uh, This prayer, I'm going to to actually pray a psalm. You may know the psalm, Psalm 51. Uh, It's a psalm that... Um, this poem is either written or dedicated to Solomon, the Song of Songs um, this psalm was written by Solomon's dad, David, and if you know the story, he messed up big time uh, and this it was his response and friends, if, uh, if your conscience is pricking you today, pray this prayer in your own heart with me if you're someone who hasn't received the Lord Jesus and the forgiveness of sins that's freely on offer in him. Pray this prayer with me and turn to him in faith, knowing that there there is an abundance of living waters that's ready to flow into your soul. It's not up on the screen. I'm just going to read it out. So please uh, perhaps just close your eyes and, and pray in your own thoughts with me. David prays in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me, against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Our gracious God, we come before you now deeply conscious that all of us, all of us, turn in on ourselves. All of us listen to that lie of the evil one that you, we cannot trust your word and your goodness. That all of us come before you as broken and sinful people. Lord, we confess some of us, uh, we experience that brokenness um, through the wickedness of other people. Some of us experience that. Well, all of us on one level or another experience it through our own self-centeredness and sin. Lord, we pray for real wisdom for ourselves, Lord, that we might hear your word, that we might honor the good gift of intimacy that you have given, that we might rejoice in you as our good God and the giver of all good things. Lord, give us what we need to truly repent where we need to. Uh, Give us what we need to make it up to the people that we perhaps have hurt. Uh, Father, give give us the confidence in the light of the gospel to know that however deep our sin, your grace is deeper. To know that your forgiveness and mercy are available for all who trust in Jesus. Lord, we pray that that, those of us who have turned to you in faith, uh, that that won't be an empty faith that doesn't produce good fruit, but that it might, over time, increasingly change us so that we might live for your glory, we might live more and more in line with your, your word, your good creation, and that that might be something that is a wonderful light to our community as we live in holiness and peace and joy. Make us a community, Lord, of that holiness and peace and joy. Make us a community that never looks down on others. Um, Make us, Lord, the the sort of church that seeks you and your glory uh, in our own lives, and particularly in this area of intimacy, we pray in, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.